Hello. Um, there's one more thing that I wanted to ask you if you would uh, like me to talk about during the podcast or not. So my family is actually, like my parents, my mother and my father, are actually politically detained in Egypt for about a year now. Um, so I wanted, yeah, and I wanted to ask you if that's something you want me to talk about and during you know the podcast. You yeah, don't yeah, like to that kind of talk, or yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about that. Okay, I'm just gonna ask it open endedly, and then you, you can talk about it as much as you want. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to know if you are okay with no, that, or no, want to leave, okay. you know, it's these topics okay. out of it. Okay, I mean, perfect. it's part of you. It's part of your life, you know. This is exactly. Oh, yeah. it's <laughs> it's all what's going on right now, actually. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry to hear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we can talk about that definitely. Perfect. That would be great. Hello everyone, I am Marcibel and this is the Marcibel Podcast. Welcome back to the Mossible Podcast, a podcast about culture, cultural nomads, and those who love them. I am your host, Mossible, Nigerian-born, U.S.-educated, Korean-speaking, struggling intellectual. I have a media personality with me today. Um, I think I'm really working my way up that ladder. Her name is Aya Khalaf, and I met her through a mutual friend who's also from Egypt. And she describes herself as a holistic health coach. If you go to her YouTube videos, which we're going to talk about later in, the epi- in this episode, you'll see a lot of you know ways to like eat healthy and 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 things like that and I think she does a fantastic job being a YouTube content creator. She's also a wife and mother of two daughters. Healthy eating began when she started raising her kids. She wanted to know how best to keep her family healthy and happy and the more she researched, the more questions she had. Questions like what is truly healthy and unhealthy for our bodies and why are there so many ingredients listed in our food and what are they? And she also wanted to find out what ways there are to avoid processed food while keeping her time in the kitchen to a minimum. Her journey to this path was a very long one. She had some health issues but she's back now to a path of holistic health coaching and started a journey of self-healing and to her she believes that food is a way to heal your body um, she loves working with mothers and children to gradually help them transition to healthier habits and reach their health goals and um, everyone join me in welcoming Haya Hala and um, welcome Haya how are you doing? Yeah, hey Mo thank you for the great introduction <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show I mean this was just last week that we had that mutual friend make the connection and I really really appreciate you despite your busy schedule mom two kids and all of that and your YouTube page finding time to come on the show really really appreciate that oh you're welcome it's my pleasure to be here yeah so tell me um, you're from Egypt right yeah well actually I was born in Austin Texas uh, my parents really? were doing their masters yes <laughs> I, I used to live in Austin for six years oh really yeah, yeah. So my parents, when they got married they actually moved to the US right away to do their master's degrees me and my brother were both born in Austin Texas but then we went back to Egypt when I was maybe three years old and I grew up in Egypt um, and then I moved back to the US with my husband about seven years ago um, we initially went to Chicago um, yeah. And then we moved to Seattle, Washington area. And I think we're loving it here. So I think we're going to settle down. <laughs> oh, good. There's so many beautiful sceneries in, in Seattle. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking. Yeah. yeah. Except when it rains, though. I remember going to Pike Place yeah. and um, <laughs> going to the Space Center. Yeah. And just the fish market and seeing them do all the... Um, the yes, when they throw the, the fish. fish and yeah, do the yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. And they have a Russian breakage at Pirashki Pirashki. I yes. really, really miss it. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. How many yeah, years ago yeah. did you come? This was probably maybe three years ago, but I, I can't forget okay. that, that breakery. I ordered a lot of <laughs> Russian baked goods and I had them, you know, shipped to me because they were really Oh, strong. yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, like my girls are gluten free, but Piroshki Piroshki is one place that when we go to, they break that rule. So every time we go to oh, the really? pipe, we have to stand on the line and get the Piroshki yeah. Piroshki <laughs> because you can then. smell it from the beginning of the street. You so can. it's kind of you hard can. to, yeah. Because opposite the street is like fish smell and then you're going down. Exactly. Like, What's that <laughs> it's Piroshki Piroshki. Anyways, um, and then but sad thing that they took out the bubblegum wall. I actually stuck my, my, uh, my bubblegum on, on that did? wall many years ago. Yeah, but I, I had to like hose it down. Was it two years ago? So, anyways. yeah. Well, they've just actually washed washed it recently, so your bubblegum yeah. is probably gone by now. Ah, <laughs> uh, dang it! I was trying to yeah. you know, contribute something to the world. <laughs> but anyways, um, so tell me, um, tell me before we go into like you know YouTube and all that, um, just your journey towards you know healthy eating. You said you had you suffered some health issues. Is this something you would like to you know talk a little bit about? Yeah. So I think actually, like, you know, in my high school and college years, I was fine. I was always thin. I didn't have a lot of health problems, but I, I was always obsessed about my weight, though. So it was a big thing yeah. for me. Yeah. But then after after I got married and we moved out of Egypt and I got my first baby, I think it was too much of a sudden change for me. Um, and it kind of had a toll on me emotionally. So I was like really depressed those um, first few years. And that affected my health too, but I wasn't aware of that. So I started developing all kinds of symptoms. I started developing joint pain and digestive mm. problems. And I was tired all the time and I was not sure what's wrong. And I think that actually my mother was the one who got me on the beginning of this journey because I remember that I was calling her on the phone one time and I was kind of, you know, complaining that I'm not happy and that I'm bored and complaining about all my health issues and And then she told me, you know what, there, you know, you've always loved health and nutrition. You love reading about it. Why not like study something and have something for your own to do? And that can help. And I was like, you know, I can't. I have kids and like, how can I find time? But she kind of pushed me and the opportunity came in front of me. Um, I had met a friend who just did the health coaching certificate and the integrative school of nutrition. Yeah. Um, And so I looked into it and my mind kind of pushed me and I just did it. I was just like, okay, like, let's do this. And I wasn't like sure what I was doing at that point, but I, I just did it. Yeah. Um, but then I, as I started studying, things started to become clear to me that, you know, everything that we're eating is affecting our health, but also all our emotions are affecting our health too. So I started to experiment on myself a little bit, like detoxing here and there, removing yeah. certain foods and, and the pains would just go away. Like, I remember the first time I detoxed and I removed like, you know, a couple of inflammatory foods and I would like get what? up the stairs or up the hill, like, like sugar and white flour and processed dairy and unorganic meats and things yeah. like that. And, and because we live on a hill, so I'd always feel the joint pain when I try to go up the hill. Mm-hmm. And I went that hill, I, I like, I went up the hill like one week after I did the detox and I couldn't feel the pain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that's like, that's amazing. And then a week after my husband was telling me, you're laughing so much these days, like your mood oh. is so much better. And I was like, oh, did you notice? And he's like, yes, of course, like you're so much different. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing how much it was affecting my mood too, because I was like so depressed to the point that I was even thinking about taking antidepressants and things. Mm-hmm. But like my mood lifted up so much. And then from there, I started to take it deeper. I started to go to like holistic doctors and do the proper testing and look into supplements, foods and all of that stuff. And I think up to this point, things kept getting better, but they never completely improved like a hundred percent. 
until I worked on myself. And I remember that my doctor used to tell me this. She said, you know, food and supplements can make, you know, 30, 40% of the equation, but then the rest of you, if you're constantly stressed, if you're not taking care of yourself, yeah. if you're not taking time for yourself, it's just never, it's going to be an, a never ending cycle. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to keep doing this over and over. And so when I added that aspect too, like when it became, you know, the food, the exercise, the lifestyle, taking care of myself, yeah. then it became so different. I felt, you know, I had the energy that I was missing. My pain was gone. My mood was better. So it was, it was very eye opening for me to know that I can do this without taking medication and without, you know, going to that path. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. It seems like you did the mind body connection to get that holistic changes you needed for your body and also for your mind yeah and that's what i do with my clients too because people now are so fixated on you know weight loss means like a diet you know tell me how many calories eat you know tell me how to weigh my portions but i always tell them that if you can't balance those other areas in your life it's just going to be impossible to reach that health and weight that you're looking for Mm -hmm. now on a personal level i mean i've really tried a lot you know this is just me being honest right now I've tried a lot to lose weight and I put them back. But I noticed that when I eat certain food, let's take, for example, cookies, my body stands on edge. And I feel, I want to say I feel like, like a little bit depressed. Like I have depressed symptoms afterwards, after like having a cookie. Not because I feel guilty, but my I feel like my brain chemistry changes. Now, is that something that is yeah. scientific? Would you that say? is. Um, I've been, I was reading this article that was um, saying how sugar and processed white flowers affect our brains in a way that is very similar to drugs. Mm. And so it actually, like the same trigger points that lights up when people have drugs, they also light up when you have sugar. Yeah. And so why they are so addictive is because when you eat the sugar or the white flower in the beginning, yeah. they do release serotonin and dopamine and they make you feel happy for like a very short time. So sugar high. But then they that sugar high but then they dip very low right afterwards and that's when you need another caffeine fix or another sugar fix because you know the blood sugar goes up the hormones goes up but it's just a few minutes and then they crash and so when you don't learn how to deal with your emotions food becomes a very easy way to get the serotonin high you know you can go for a cookie and you know you're going to feel better but people are not aware that you only feel better for a few minutes and then you crash down and you need something else, and so you keep, you know, binging and eating stuff all day long, and then it, it never gets better. Very true, very true. And and I'm working on it, but I would, I'm what you would call yeah. a um, a stress eater. I wasn't a okay. mindful eater, you know. And I'm I'm working on it. And apparently for me, food was just that thing to cope with so many emotions. Whether I was happy, whether I was sad. Yeah. So um, having to like, you know, go on that journey of not just for myself, I had you know, a lot of help, psychotherapy, and find out that, okay, instead of just trying to numb my emotions with food, I could just address the emotion. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're sad right now. What, what do you do when you're sad? Cry. Do you really have to eat that cookie or do you have to you know, numb it with food? So having to understand that, and I, and I think you're very right on that, that. I think for most of us, or people like me, where food has become just that crutch to deal with emotional um, issues, we, yeah. we're not necessarily helping ourselves. And I do want to change, and I know a lot of people want to change. Which brings us down to the next question. Yeah. It seems like the fad of you know gluten-free, eating healthy, it's very expensive. You know, It's not really very cheap, especially considering that we're in the U.S. where organic food and you know whole food tends to be very expensive. What kind of um, suggestions do you have for people that would like to make those changes, but cost is an issue for them? Yeah, I think I have two things that I always tell people. The first thing is that we 
we do pay for a lot of things that we consider a priority, but sometimes when it comes to organic food and healthy food, we just don't think of it as a priority. Yeah. So you might go and pay that four or five dollars for a Starbucks coffee, but you might not pay them for, you know, a bag of chia seeds. And I tell them that if you eat healthy and exercise properly and balance your lifestyle from now, you're going to save hundreds and hundreds of dollars on doctors later on. Mm-hmm. So it is worth, you know, an increased bill. And I understand that it's a higher bill, but it's worth it. But also on the same side, you know, some people just can't afford to pay that much. And I think that um, one of the things that I've noticed overall in the U.S. is that people like um, the super duper trends. For example, you know, chia seeds is so healthy. We have to all eat chia yeah. seeds and we have to eat a lot of chia yeah. seeds. And I find that it doesn't have to be this way. Like, yes, there are foods that are healthier, but it doesn't mean that there aren't cheaper foods that are also healthy. For example, beans and lentils and whole grains. If you buy them in bulk, they are extremely cheap. Like if you go to a bulk section and buy some lentils, some brown rice, even quinoa, if you buy it in bulk, uh, black beans, hummus, they're really, really cheap, even much cheaper than, what you know, the meats and the other stuff. Um, and so I don't feel like to eat healthy, you have to go and buy all the superfoods or you can't do it. I think you... Yeah. And other things are, you know, buying fruits and vegetables that are in season, because if they're in season, they're much cheaper Um, and going and finding, you know, what's on discount during that week. And I also find and that's something that people don't realize much. But when you start eating healthy, you eat way less because your cravings go down and you're not constantly eating. So I find that when people are not eating healthy, you're constantly snacking on chips and crackers and all that stuff. And when you clean your diet, you're actually usually eating just three meals and you, you get full from a smaller amount. And so it might not add up that much like you are thinking. You might find that you're actually consuming less food. Um, so those are my two, you know, my two advice is to first know that it's a priority and like, yes, it's a higher bill, but it's yeah. worth it. And then secondly, go for the choices that fit your budget and fit your bill, because there are so many healthy choices that are not super expensive. Well, very true. I mean, as a health economist, I I think about a trade-off. You can buy the cheap food now and, you know, but then you still have to pay later in the future because either way you're still paying. But would you like to pay with your life and, you know, expensive medical bills or just pay a little bit more now and then you're saving towards your future? So. The return on investment is exactly. actually better now than, than you know, in the, in the future. So thanks for putting yeah. that into perspective. So now, I mean, as an American mm-hmm. with Egyptian influence, how much would you say that has really influenced your cooking style? And how do you merge that, you know, influence with the American way of cooking? Yeah, um... I think that I've kind of combined both because also because my mother lived here like a couple of years. So she also her cooking was very um, international. Yeah. Like we cooked, you know, Mexican and Asian and Chinese and Egyptian and American. We had all like all sorts of cuisines as I grew yeah. up. So I think it's the same for me now that I'm cooking, you know, multiple cuisines and I just kind of alter it to a healthier version. Yeah. So I still cook a lot of Mediterranean things and Egyptian dishes, but I kind of make it a bit healthier. So, for example, there's a dish called koshari. Koshari is a very, um, like, known street food in Egypt. And basically, it's a layer of pasta and white rice and lentils and hummus um, and, like, fried onion on top. So when I make it, I use like brown rice, you know, gluten-free whole grain uh, pasta. I reduce the amount of rice and pasta and then increase the amount of lentils and hummus. Um, I top it up with avocado and vegetables. So I always try to incorporate, you know, how can I make, you know, the, the food that we grew up with and that we are used to, but just a bit healthier. 
and the and the same goes to the American cuisine. Like the American cuisine is not actually so healthy. It's mostly yeah. like burgers and so fries and stuff. And so many things you can't even read. And I'm a scientist. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I actually cook all types of different foods. I just I I like cooking, but I don't like to spend a lot of time cooking. So I I cook very simple. Like maybe. I can make an elaborate thing once a month, but on a daily basis because I cook everything from scratch mostly. So I keep everything simple, healthy and delicious and I put that Egyptian, you know, touch in it just so that the family feels that this is still what we, you know, used to like. Um for example, Egyptian desserts like basbusa is one of the very famous desserts yeah. in Egypt. It's made with white flour, butter and sugar. So I make it with almond flour and honey for example. Yeah. So I just keep kind of, you know, fixing and changing things a bit so that it would meet my my health <laughs> standards. Very good. Very good. This is a personal question for me. Um like I said earlier, mm-hmm. sugar is my my drug, is my opiate, is my go-to thing. And I have yeah. friends that tend towards spice um salty food like chips when they're stressed. So for people like us and if you want to just reset because I think what I'm really tired of is dieting. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not I, I yeah. find that it really works horribly with me because I've done a lot of dieting. I I would lose the weight and then I'll put them back on because I haven't really changed my mindset. Now, how do yeah. we start slowly and how yeah. do we, you know, make it more of a a, a sustainable lifestyle choice as ra- rather rather than, you know, a diet fad we have to just do because it's it's in, it's in it's in vogue. Yeah. So the way that I actually coach my clients is that we work together over at least like a minimum of 3 months. Um and when we start our program, I actually start with a no diet agreement because once you tell people that they can't eat something, they're going to be craving yeah. it. And so if you start by saying, you know, this is what you should eat and this is what you shouldn't eat, then you're kind of setting up them for failure. So I actually start by telling them that there's nothing that you can't eat and that anything that you want to eat your, you know, your perfectly fine to eat but then i i start talking to them about choices and alternatives yeah. and i change their eating habits actually very slowly so i don't come and say you know this is a meal planner go and follow it and i don't even tell them you know this breakfast is unhealthy but i would say things like okay well let's experiment with those five new breakfasts i want you to try them this week and journal why you try them how you how you feel how much they keep you full and then you know tell me how things were next week so people would go and try them and they would find that they're full for a longer time they have more energy and so they would feel like oh we can do this and then the next week we'd change you know dinner and i would still not come and say you can't eat this i would just introduce you know new healthier habits and at the same time as i'm changing their habits slowly regarding food i coach them on the emotional level so you know how to deal with binge eating and how to deal with stress eating and what should you do instead you know what should you do if you go if you feel like you're going for the cookie because you're stressed just as you said i i teach them how to be okay with feeling upset or stressed yeah. and i teach them that food doesn't solve it in any way and that there are other methods that can be better like you know taking a yeah. walk reading a book doing a prayer these things <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i i actually you, you know i help them figure out what their best method is because everyone is yeah. different for example for me You know, my best methods are praying or going outside in yeah. nature. Someone else doesn't like yeah. these things and they might do better with calling a friend for mm-hmm. example or writing in a journal. So I kind of open some choices up for them and I teach them how to ground themselves in the moment a little bit. So I always tell them, let's say you are going to eat a cookie. And I've already agreed with them that nothing is off board. So even if it's a cookie, you can eat it. But I always tell them you have to stand and take a deep breath and ask yourself why you're eating the yeah. cookie. Yeah. Is it emotional? Yeah. Is it because you're upset? Is it because you're angry? 
And I told them that if you find that it's not because of any of these things and you just crave the cookie, then eat it. But if you find that I'm bored or I'm stressed or I'm lonely, then you have to remind yourself that even after you eat the cookie, you're still going to be lonely and bored and stressed. And so you want to, you know, you want to step away and you want to think about other methods that can actually help relieve that stress. And sometimes all you need to do is actually just sit down and allow the feelings because Food is usually a way for us to stuff the feelings because we're so scared of allowing ourselves to feel sad or stressed or upset, you know? And I don't know about many people. Um, I think for me, growing up female and growing up in Nigeria, I I feel like I wasn't, weren't really taught how to express our feelings, especially the negative ones. So personally for me, I had to like bottle up a lot of my feelings and I found out that food was a way to cope with that. And I even didn't know all of this. I had to go through therapy. It wasn't a conscious thing for me, but it was what I always did. And then, so now I'm exploring ways to always ask myself, like you said, um, am I really hungry or am I just, because I'm stressed or maybe I'm about to do something stressful. I want to eat just to distract myself. So having to like always check in with yourself, that, that component of my mindfulness and mindful eating i think it's something that i know has really helped me i mean i'm not where i want to be um i'm like body weight wise but i can tell you that you know as far as my health i used to be very poor health when i came here because i think the switch from um whole food in nigeria to like the processed food there really took a toll on me and i suffer from a lot of inflammation because i can tell when my my body just Mm -hmm. crawls my body just when i eat some certain food but I, I don't have a lot of health issues like I used to have. But I mean, as far as body weight, I think I still have a long way to go to get to where I need to be. But that component of mindful eating definitely really helped me. And I think it's something that I, I still keep trying to do. I think like the two main things I always want the people to come out with in any of my programs is being able to be mindful, as you said, and being able to concentrate on the hunger yeah. scale. Because I find that with the dieting mentality, you're always told how much you're supposed to eat. And so people, when they stop the diet, they just eat and eat yeah. and eat. They don't, they're no longer in sync with, you know, I just need one cookie. They, they don't eat one cookie. They eat 10 yeah. cookies because they're not used to concentrate on that feeling of hunger. Yeah and fullness they're eating more because you know this is what i'm supposed to eat and this is the time i'm supposed to eat it um and so i find that getting back to that and even if you're losing weight slowly but you're in sync with your eating and your body that's going to be able to sustain you for a long time and 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 keep your weight you know going gradually instead of you know a crash diet that would just cause you to gain the weight back again i mean it's good you mentioned that because i know one of the things that i used to do badly was when i ate i i would just probably in front of a tv and so i wasn't even conscious of you know my portions and you know how the relay between your stomach and your brain takes about 20 minutes but if you're eating so much you get to a point where you're so full but your brain doesn't like you know let you know in time you're like oh my gosh i can't even get out of the couch anymore so like eating your food slowly and savoring everything the smell um think about the process it was made think about you can even go as far back as how it was planted as a seed and how the you know farmers harvested it just being mindful i think it's something we can also do you know to kind of help with that component of um uh, mindless eating yeah you know um I, i i was reading something one time about france and they were saying you know why are the french women so thin and they eat a lot of bread and yeah. pasta and so they, you know they went and they followed a few people and they realized that they eat everything but when they sit down to eat they eat in about an hour and a half and they have about a four course oh meal goodness. and they spend you know 20 minutes eating each one of them and it's a very small amount but very high quality wow. and so when they actually sit and eat they're very mindful and they're eating slowly and so they get full from a very very small yeah. amount and they feel satisfied yeah. 
So even when the choices are not the best, they're eating a small portion, they're enjoying it, they're not binging. And that's actually their secret. So I always tell people that it's, you know, it's all about being back in sync with yourself and eating slowly. And when you do that, you'll find that you don't finish the whole pan of pizza. You're full from one piece. Even when you do eat pizza, you're full from one piece. But when we're eating out of, you know, kind of binging and unmindfully, we can eat even two, you know, dishes of pizza and we, we're not even aware Tell of it. it. And then you feel like a, like a gluten afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one other thing you've mentioned that I wanted to comment yeah. on, because I've noticed, um, I've noticed it in a lot of my Egyptian yeah. friends. When people move from places like Egypt where, or like uh, your home country, places where food is still more yeah. raw, and they move to the U.S., Sometimes they don't like when they first move, they don't know, they don't know, they don't understand how it goes here. And so they start buying all these ready made foods that are so easy for breakfast and for dinner and for lunch. And, you know, eating fries and Coke and burgers. And they're not aware of how much different that is than the the food back home. And so I find that a lot of people gain so much weight in this first two to three yes, years. Empty calories because you we eat almost the same quantity, even not much back home. But we're more active. We don't have to drive everywhere. We walk around. And then the calorie content, they're not as heavy as the one you have here in the U.S. Like you eat like a small bolus of food. And it's almost like a, a thousand calories. And you're like, what the heck? You know? <laughs> so I think we, we kind of still <laughs> exactly. come back. With, we, we come back here with the quantity of eating. But not knowing that the calorie, yeah. con- like the calorie difference, we have to, you know, take into consideration that, you know, the calories you're eating back home, you know, pales in comparison to the one, to the one here. So then you gain a lot of weight. Yeah. Plus you're not even very active as you were back home, you know, in, in, in Nigeria or Egypt. Yeah. And you really can't compare like whole natural foods to processed foods, even if the calories are the same. So back home, I think back home right now is changing in Egypt it's becoming very also like Americanized but you know when I was younger it was still mostly raw so people were cooking everything from scratch at home so even if it's like not super healthy it's not horrible like people were not eating Cinnabon for breakfast you know and having ready-made pizzas for dinner (laughs) microwavable foods (laughs) but anyways yeah yeah I have two more questions but before we go into that I wanted to ask this one first um what's your in a very short sentence what's your opinion on gluten free versus non gluten free because I feel like many of our listeners especially those outside of the US it's not something that they really you know know so much about and is this something we should be concerned about um so here's my intake on the whole gluten thing I do not think that wheat is originally bad or inherently bad but I do think that wheat has been played with and manipulated with to the point where it causes problems for most Mm. people. Like, yes, some people don't have problems, but like in my practice, at least 95% of my clients and their kids feel much better off gluten. Uh, why is it so? I believe that it's it's what we did to the wheat. It's the genetic modification, the way we process the wheat, the way we spray the wheat. Um, but the fact is at the end of the day that right now, wheat and gluten is causing so many inflammatory and immune reactions to people and it's it's the root cause of so many autoimmune conditions it affects kids who have autism and adhd it makes it worse when you remove gluten they get better people who have digestive complaints you remove gluten and it gets better people who have headaches so my approach to this is you gotta try if you're like if you complain from any health issue give it a try okay Remove it for two weeks and see your reaction. My other thing is the wheat that we have right now is very high in glycemic index, mm. meaning it's so high in and carbs diabetes and diabetes it affects our yeah, blood sugar yeah, so yeah. much. Yeah, even the whole grain, like even the whole wheat. But it, like, let's say you don't have any reaction to wheat, then I would say, you know, having it occasionally is fine. 
Um, but like if you're trying to lose weight, um, I don't think that even whole wheat is good to have on a daily yeah. basis. So that's my intake is I feel like everyone should try. But from my experience, 95% of my people in my practice do do have all the you know most of their health issues become better when they remove gluten so right now i always have people at least for two weeks in my practice try to go completely gluten-free and i don't do it the unhealthy way like i don't tell them you know go get the junky gluten-free bread instead i teach them how to alternate the gluten with healthy grains that are gluten-free not like junk you know oh very good very good. So now we're going to move to the Mardi Gras section of the podcast, and then we'll come back with some final questions and comments. All right. Welcome to the Mardi Gras section of the podcast. So the question um, I has chosen is this. Tell me about your day, Aya, and what made it okay? <laughs> well, today my day was actually great because today it hit 70 degrees and it was so sunny. And if you, you know, if you've ever was visited oh, Washington, yeah. you know that it's gloomy <laughs> and rainy most yep, of the winter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually, the spring is our rainiest season. So it's been for the past couple of weeks, the flowers are out and they're blooming, but it's so rainy and gloomy that you can't see anything. And so I got up today and it was 70 degrees and it was sunny. So I finished my work quickly and I took my hiking bag and I went out on a hike. And, you know, Washington is beautiful. You have trails and hikes everywhere. The Puget Sound, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I took my hiking bag and I went hiking in a trail next to us. And it's just the heat and the like I've missed being so warm and I missed the feeling of the sun next to me. And then when I came home, I sat in the living room. The sun was coming in and I had the windows open. I can hear the birds and I can see the cherry blossoms. Back to Texas, girl. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And that just felt great. Like it just made my day. Yeah, you described the sun like a boyfriend, Jimmy. You need to go back to Austin. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But I want the sun with the beauty outside. Like I want the sun with the greenery and the cherry blossoms and the hikes. So it's it's a hard combination. That's really good. I love that. I really love that. Well, thanks for answering that. and that's the end of the Mardi Gras section. So now I'm um, moving on to a totally different question. So your parents are in Egypt right now, right? Yeah, well, um, I don't know how much you're aware of the political situation yeah. in Egypt, but Egypt had a revolution a couple the of Arab years Springs. ago, and then we had the our Arab first Springs? elected president, yeah, the Arab Spring, yeah. yes. <laughs> we had our first elected president, and then a coup happened, and the military took over, and the elected president was put yeah. in jail. Um, and then since then, they've been kind of detaining all the opposition, not even the opposition, like if they just know that you're against what they're doing, you know, you're yeah. taken. So my parents actually have been um, detained in Egypt for 290 oh, days yes. now. My mother and my father oh. both. Um, they, they're they having my mother in solitary confinement. Um, and she, they haven't, like they haven't allowed any family visits since they took them. So no one in the family talked to them or seen them. They didn't even allow the lawyer to visit them. So the lawyer would see them like from a distance during every um, renewal and he would just, you know, be able to say, you know, are you fine? And that's about it. Like maybe talk for a minute. Um, they're not doing, you know, an actual hearing. There is no charges being pressed. There are no papers given to the lawyer. It's just kind of a, and that's the, like, it's not just my parents. There are 60,000 political prisoners in Egypt yeah. right now who are in very similar yeah. situations where there are no charges. There is nothing going on. You're just being detained and you're renewed every 45 days. And they can keep continuing their renewal, un, you know, 
for as long as they need. They don't need anything to do that. And so this has been a really hard time for my parents. We've been, um, and for my family, we've been like advocating here in the U.S. for the past 290 days. Uh, we've been talking to multiple media, you know, uh, New York Times and Washington yeah. Post and many other places published articles about my parents. Um, and and so, yeah, that's the situation back home right now. And unfortunately, even though I think it's not only us, but actually my mother is the only woman that I know of in Egypt that has been put in solitary confinement for that long. Like, this is, like, unheard of, even with Egyptian standards. I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, I can't even imagine the the, the, the pain and of, of separation and just the anxiety, not being able to see or talk to your parents for this long. Yeah, and it's so hard for my girls too because when this happened, they were actually getting ready to move with with us here. They have their green yeah. cards, and we were like looking for a bigger house for them to move yeah. in. And then it all happened, and it was so hard for my daughters to understand. You know, why is this happening? This is unfair. So even my daughter started a campaign about two weeks oh. ago, where she had asked all her friends to write um, letters to Mr. Yeah. Trump and ask him to help free her grandparents. Mm-hmm. So she kind of did a video and she posted it and she's having all her friends send the letters too. Um, I wish you all the best with that and sending you good vibrations and wishes for here. And I do hope that somebody listening to this can, I, I mean, I don't know what kind of audience I have, but I'm just praying and hoping that someone can listen to this, reach out to you and, you know, you can get reunited with your parents again and have your daughters, you know, meet yeah. their grandparents again. And if anyone wants to follow about their case, they have a Facebook page and they have a website and it's called Free Ola and Hussam. So that's their name. Yeah. Um, So Free, F-R-E-E. And then Ola is O-L-A. And then And. And then Hussam is H-O-S-A-M. Okay. You should email that to me so I can, you know, um, add that to the the notes as well. So anyone listening to this case, you know. I don't know, because you never know. It's good to just put that out there. We never know who's going to act. Yeah, that. of course. Yeah, and I'm so, so sorry. Of course. And and for us, you know, any support, even, you know, people sending prayers and sending their, you know, best wishes just means a lot yeah. to us and keeps yeah. us strong and patient. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I do, I do, I do. I'm, I'm going to keep you in my prayers and thoughts as well. And I'll follow up with you, you. you know, sometime later to see how that's going. Thank you so much. When you were talking about your your healthy coaching and things like that, you talked about clients and all that. So are you currently taking in patients? Or do you do you work in a practice? Um, like what's your practice like? So yeah, so so I I I have an online practice and also like a local yeah. practice. Um so I coach either privately where I'd be like one on one with that person and we work together over six months and I keep kind of, you know, tackling all the emotional and lifestyle changes that we talked about where they have problems. Um, I tailor, you know, specific meal planners for them according to their needs and we kind of work together over this six months yeah. period to get them to a point like my goal is always to get my clients to a point where they don't need another diet I like i don't care much whether they've lost the 20 whole pounds during those six months or not as long as i know that when we finish they're still losing because i've i've put them on that right oh, track and then i also have um programs that i run yeah. online so like the the most like my top program is the 90 day yeah. program, which is a group program where we're like a couple of ladies together online. And I go through a process where I coach them again, step yeah. by step and it's changing those habits little by little. So, you know, I work on breakfast and then lunch and then exercising and emotional eating and we keep changing little by yeah. little as we go. Yeah. And then, you know, usually when the three months end, people are just amazed by how they don't even crave the unhealthy foods yeah. anymore and how they just 
you know, are eating so naturally healthy that they don't feel like they're on a diet. And that's always my purpose is to get people to that point. Oh, that's great. That's great. How much are your packages for those that might be interested? And what's your website? So my website will be www.benourished and B is double E. So benourished.com. And it's going to have all my programs and it's going to have all the pricing in there too. Okay. And also you want to talk a little bit about your YouTube and how people can find you on YouTube. Yeah, so the YouTube channel has the same name, which is yeah. Be Nourished. So if they write www.youtube.com, and then there's a dash C, and then dash Be Nourished. Oh. Or if they also search the Be Nourished on YouTube, it's some up too. And you sound really nice, by the way. You have a very good media voice. I see why you... Oh, thank you. YouTube. Yeah, your friends like do this. <laughs> well, I'm uh, just a newbie. I just started the YouTube, like, I think two months ago. So I'm just getting used to it. I just started my podcast like beginning of this month, so when you oh, are really? together, yeah, I just good, launched good, April fifth. Yeah, I'm new to all of this. Yes, there were startups. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yes. I didn't even know you had a website, so yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now. It's pretty detailed. It's good. Yeah. Yes. Are there any final thoughts you have, or you know, things you would like to talk about? Um, I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> You might, you might have to bring me a question to get it okay. out of me. Uh, well, I mean, thank you. But we've talked a lot about, you know, intuitive eating and letting your body heal itself by eating like food that nourish your body. I think it's that thing that I forget who said it, that let food be thy medicine. I think it was Hippocrates. Let food be thy medicine. I mean, as a pharmacist, and I'm saying this, you know, like most people need to be on drugs to like, you know, get well. But a large proportion of people, if we can just change our diet and just the way we approach food, there's a lot mm-hmm. of additional health benefit that we can, you know, do that can yeah. help us. And I think in addition to taking yeah, these medications, you can even find yourself cutting down the number of pills you take gradually, gradually, until maybe you get to a point where you don't even need them anymore. I have seen this happen a lot in my clinical practice when I used to practice as a pharmacist. Yeah. So I do know that that is something that really works. But it's really, really hard. And I think the problem has been because we approach food from a dieting perspective instead of from a lifestyle mm-hmm. change where, okay, I don't want to just do this yes. diet because it's raining, but I want to let, let my body speak to me and let me nourish my body. And one thing that I really picked yes. up from our conversation today is, you know, asking yourself, um, why am I eating now? Am I eating because I'm hungry or I'm eating because I want to numb, you know, whatever emotions you want to carry into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely, that's true. Anyways, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate your input. You're welcome. And I might bring you back again. We might explore other areas. And I really, I sincerely, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, I'm going to keep praying for you and hoping that you guys get reunited with your parents and, and you know, you thank have you. That family. You have your family back together again. Yes, thank you so much. That was lovely. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I keep doing your YouTube videos. They're oh. very crispy. They're very clean. You have a very good videographer. Whoever's doing your video for you, they're really doing an awesome job. Yeah, I'm doing it for myself right now, actually. And I just, my camp, my whole set just fell last week when I was oh, doing no. the last video. And my lens and my tripod broke. And I was still, like, you know, recovering because that's the second lens I break this year. Um, and so I did a poll on my group and I said, you know, this is the second lens that broke. I'll, I'm going to have to try and repair it. I, I will not just go and buy another one. So I told them, should I stop making videos until I replace it? Or would you rather that I make a video with less quality until I replace it? So everyone voted for less really? quality. <laughs> and so I was videoing this week with my old yeah. lens and I'm going to see how the video okay. will come out because 
I feel bad to video the old yeah. dance, but at the same time, I'm the kind of person that don't like, you know, stop things yeah. because I don't have yeah. something. I feel like, you know, just use what you have and then you're going to fix it and then you can yeah. move on. Yeah, I mean, it's like the same advice yeah. I got about this podcast. Like, be consistent. Like, if you say you're going to be a weekly podcast, keep shooting every week. Even if you don't mm-hmm. have guests, guess what? You be the guest. You put yourself mm-hmm. and talk about something. So I think you know, that's the key here, yes. consistency. I mean, you don't have the perfect lens. You don't, you're not going to make quality video, but guess what? The contest is going to be the same. It's going to be as great as what you already have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Maybe you should true. hire somebody to carry your stuff around, your video equipment around, so that way they don't fall off. <laughs> exactly. I need that to help her. That might be cheaper than having to spend... How much every time repairing, you know, your... <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That might be the yeah. next step. <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you so much for coming. And shout out to Salma. You're Salma, welcome. my fellow pharmacist friend. Oh, thank you so much for doing the introduction. I'm sure she's going to be like, why did she call my name out? Well, everyone, this has been the Morcible Podcast. I just had the honor of um, interviewing Aya Halaf, and she's a holistic health coach. We talked about detoxing, about food and mood and, you know, things we can do to heal ourselves, especially from chronic inflammation brought on by processed food. For those of us that have probably moved from countries where we used to have whole food to America where there's a lot of processed food. If you like this content and you'd like to hear more about these kind of things, please leave me a comment in the comment section. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the iTunes as the More Civil Podcast. And um, thank you for listening. Catch you guys on another episode. I've been your host, Civil. Well, that was it. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. 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 Okay. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye.